Dad Manual is someone who takes the bull by the horns, lives life to the fullest, and who's not interested in leading by the example of his power, but rather the power of his example. He's a super dad who's dating his wife, who has a contagious personality, and he's on a mission to positively impact one million role models around the world to live a functionally fit life through education, encouragement, and community. The sought-after life coach took some time to join me this week to discuss the lessons he's learned in his personal life through lived experience and the lessons he's hoping to pass down to the next generation. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Just before we get started, I want to th thank you very much for doing this for me. It's most appreciated. Oh, thank you. Oh, Kevin, uh, likewise. I, I always love these opportunities. One, to, to meet new cool people and uh, make a new friend. Uh, but also, I'm just always honored for the opportunity to, to be connected and to, to just, you know, share, share real-life stories that are, are well, I, I'd like to think will benefit people, you know. So I, I appreciate you creating a platform that allows for that. That's just Absolutely. Awesome. From one Canadian to the other guy, <laughs> I want to welcome you to the show. And I'm excited to learn all about uh, your professional, personal life and the mission that you're on in life as well. So great to see you this afternoon. And thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, like I said, appreciate being here too and uh, excited for our conversation today. So, uh, Di, I know that you're on a mission to help one million role models from across the globe find their own sort of happiness and functional uh, reality in life. So I'm wonder wondering if I can start you off by asking why is this mission uh, so important to you? Oh, wow. Great question, Kevin. Uh, you know... I think back on my own life and a lot of the challenges that I've been presented with at, at various periods. And I think about myself and sort of what I did in those situations. And, you know, cause it was really easy to, to, to have that defeatist mindset or just to give up or to, to just say, I can't, I, I, and just, just, you know, turn around and go a different direction. Yeah. But, Rather than doing that, I, I did look at what I could do that was within my means, but also I looked at who was around me. Who are the people that I knew or knew of that were doing things that were in areas that I wanted to get better in or to improve in? And as an example, like at 14, I was morbidly obese. I was a really big kid. And uh, I, I, it didn't happen overnight. Like from the age of nine to 14, I learned to deal with my emotions and some of the 
stresses that I had in life and coped with it by eating certain foods and playing video games. So you do that long enough and you do it often enough. Well, you know, it, my life changed. My, my lifestyle was very reflective of the state of unhealth I eventually got myself to. And, you know, one day I just something flipped in my mind and I, I decided that I, I wanted to, to change my situation. I wanted to get a little bit healthier. So I remember going to the library, getting books that are on fitness and nutrition. You know, my kids laugh because they're like, why don't you just Google it, dad? And I'm like, well, I'm older than Google. <laughs> when I was a teenager, there was no Google. And uh, those books, and, and then the people that I met at my gym and also the people that were friends, my parents that were living healthier, more active lifestyles. And I saw that in them. And so I reached out with a hand and I asked for help. And fortunately for me, they were willing to stretch their hand back and give me a hand. And, and ultimately they were role modeling the actions that I could too could be doing to see certain changes in my own life. And so that was my first introduction to coaching and to role models and mentors. And uh, I, I want to be on the other end of that now. I want to help others that the way that people help me throughout my life. And, and that's where that idea of trying to empower a million role models around the world, because if they're role modeling certain habits and lifestyles and mindsets, and now inspiring more role models, man, that's how we create massive shifts and big changes. And tell me, how do you think that evolution in your own uh, personal lives has affected the person you are today? Well, you know, I, I have to admit that at periods of my life, I've been very fixed mindset, you know, and, and that idea that I, I'd limit myself based on the way I, I believed or based on what I believe to be the opportunities or lack thereof in my life, you know, and, and just sort of blaming myself or blaming others and blaming my situation, blaming my parents, like just, you know, lots of pointing fingers. And when I think about some of the, the things that I've struggled through or have challenged me or, or have reinforced that negative way of looking at myself, uh, I, I realized that if I didn't change the inputs, like what I was feeding my mind with, I, it would be a bigger struggle. And chances are, I, I don't think I ever would have been able to sustain any permanent change in my life. And uh, so all, all these little struggles, I mean, we all have them. We all have them. We all have moments in our lives that, that push, push on us and they can push pretty hard. And, and I'm sure, Kevin, you've had many of these moments in your own life. And just like what you shared with me based on like, look at what we're all dealing with with COVID, right? Like it's, it's a big, big challenge right now. So we can either just give up and, and, and think about all the things that we can't do or we try to reframe our perspective, our mind and our lifestyle to, to really embrace the things that we still can do and the things that still can create positive shifts or adaptation, or as you said earlier, evolution, you know, because evolution, based on the research by Darwin and a lot of other scientists, it, you know, big changes happen when we find ourselves in states of, of stress, you know, like that's what causes that adaptation. We evolve, we learn to deal with the stress and yet surpass it and survive it. So it's this natural evolution. Like I think about all these vaccines that are going to start pumping out next year. Well, there's another wave of evolving, right? People are going to be developing an, an immunity to this virus called the COVID-19, you know? Like, so it's interesting. It, it runs all over the place. And, uh, and I guess it's rather than fighting it, I just learned how to embrace it, Kevin. That's, that's the real bit I want to leave you with there. 
And I know that you say that you know the uh, struggle of the juggle and sort of maintaining uh, your own uh, uh, personal uh, fitness appearance and making your personal uh, uh, fitness a priority. So I wonder what would be your advice to anyone watching this that may be uh, struggling in those areas that may, mm. may need a little bit of inspiration? <laughs> well, I guess. It you know, I know for myself and some of my clients that I've worked with, like it's sometimes it's the all or nothing mentality that holds us back. You know what I mean? It's like, well, like I used to be of the belief that if I couldn't go to the gym and work out for at least an hour to 90 minutes, there's no point in me going. Like that was my mindset. I used to think if I can't do at least that 60 to 90 minutes, there's no point in me even going to the gym or working out. It's just, I, I won't get any benefit. So, you know, and I, that would show up in my life, not only in that area, but other areas too. You know, I would start noticing that, that belief or this limiting belief that if I couldn't do everything the way I wanted to do it, then there's no point in even trying. And so I would give up before I even started. And, and I think a, a big part of, of healthy living it's not a matter of limiting ourselves or saying no to a bunch of things because no one wants to say no. No one wants to say, I can't do that or don't have that. Or, you know, like that is so prescriptive and it's very limiting. It feels like we're in a tight little box and we don't have a lot of room to move or grow. And, and I think that's a big reason why a lot of us might start things and then we give up on them because we've been so restrictive on what we allow ourselves to do or do not. So my, my words of advice or, or my invitation to people is rather than thinking about all the things that you may not be able to do, just look at the things every day that you can do. And they don't have to be major things. It's often the smallest of things, like even just maybe introducing a salad every day or a green smoothie. You know, just that little thing of adding that extra bit of nutrition into your diet has a positive effect once you've done it consistently over time. Just like exercise. You know, you go to the gym once. It's not like you're done and you don't have to ever work out again. <laughs> it's one of those things you got to keep doing, right? And, and so it's this lifestyle we're trying to adapt in, but it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. It just has to be what works for you and what you can maintain consistently. And, uh, you know, every little bit counts. It all counts. Uh, and once, just to close off on that, that question, Kevin, which, you know, if you think about regret and how it shows up in our lives, sometimes, and I know for myself too, like if I did something that, say I was on a diet because I wanted to lose a bunch of weight, right? And, and I said, well, I can't eat that because that is not on my diet. So no, it's a no, 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 no. So you keep pushing things away. It's almost like you're running away from certain things because you don't trust yourself being able to, to, to just say no. So you don't even, you stop showing up, right? And, and when we think about that action of saying no, it's very negative and it, and it reinforces this, this negative pattern, this belief that I just can't do all these things. And over time, that creates this, just this very uneasy feeling, at least what I've experienced. And, and I think that's what ultimately breaks us down eventually, because we're like, man, this is just not fun. It's not fun. Why would I want to do this? You know? And so we become so restrictive trying to lose all this weight. And, and eventually we hit a point where we just didn't really learn anything at all. All we learned was how to be very disciplined and say no a lot to ourselves <laughs> and then beat ourselves up if we ever deviated from that. And we didn't really learn a new lifestyle. 
because we weren't having fun. So that all of a sudden now you have this negative association with losing weight. And it's like, why bother trying to lose weight? It's just awful. And I don't enjoy it. I don't have fun. It's so there's a disconnect. We're not really connected or invested in, in the results any longer. And you know, we don't think about what life may be like if we just start to see some improvements in our physicality, how we feel, how our body moves, how we manage stress, how food makes us feel. Because at the end of the day, think about this, Kevin. Say you have a salad every day. I've never had somebody message me and say, Di, you know what? I had a salad for lunch today with some salmon on it. I really regret doing that. Like, no one ever says, I regret having salad. No one says, I regret I worked out today. I really regret doing that. Like, so we have to ask ourselves, if we never regret certain things in our life when we do them, why don't we do them more consistently? You know, that's, that's my question to people. It's like, why not? You know, what's holding us back? And I think that's that mindset piece, that commitment to oneself. And uh, sometimes it's just trusting a process and doing it and just doing it and trusting that the results will come. But that's where patience comes in. And I know uh, for you throughout the uh, scope of your career, you've been a Toastmaster, an author, and uh, digital thought leader, and even uh, been on the executive level for a, a retail company. So I'm wondering if you look at the scope of your professional career, what do you think has been your biggest uh, moment of influence or impact? Mm, that's a great question, Kevin. Holy smokes. Uh, I'm not used to such great questions. <laughs> These are really, really well thought out. Uh, you know, I think there's been periods. I, I sort of look at my life as being in seasons. You know, I have sort of my 20s where, man, I just chased my career. You know, I really did. I started having kids young and, you know, I, I started getting, in, I was in a committed relationship with my wife too at that time. And, but my main focus during my 20s was my career. Like it was all about chasing the title, chasing what I believed to be success and, and certain things that I used to qualify what I believed was successful, you know, like collecting of stuff, <laughs> you know, trying to earn more money, try to earn a better title. And, and I used to feel rather empty at the end of the day, you know, like not satisfied, not fulfilled. And, and yet I do recall when I start to think back on it, I, I did provide some impact to some of the people I was working with, but I didn't really feel like I was making a significant dent. I felt I was very ego driven, right? And then I got into my thirties especially my early 30s. And things started to shift. Right around 33, 34, I started to realize I want to make an impact in the world. You know, I want to start to, to help others. I want to help them get better in life or help them with their health, help them with their nutrition, basically be a role model, you know, and, and also a coach or a mentor to, to those that I could. And the cool thing was, is during this period, you know, dating myself, I'm 44 now. So if we go back like 14 years, that's when I started blogging. You know, I it hit right around my 30th birthday, I started blogging and I just started putting content out as social media platforms. I would sign up and I would just start sharing stuff, information to help people, you know, stuff that I was finding useful for myself. I was like, well, I think others might like this too. So I'll just share it. And uh, over time I, I started to realize that that compounded and, and people started to resonate with some of the things I was sharing. And, and then people started reaching out, asking questions and that would inspire me to write more content, right. To, to answer those questions. And I started to really feel connected. Like I was, I was, serving a purpose that was much more meaningful to me than, than what I was achieving in my retail career. And so then, you know, things started to shift and, and that's really where that, uh, 
I would say in around the mid thirties and even up to now, now my, my, my big focus the last couple of years has, has been just on, on helping people get out of their own way, you know, helping them realize where some of those belief systems may not be serving them anymore. And it's okay. You can create new ones. Sometimes it takes a little bit of help, a little bit of support, a little bit of uh, Q and a, uh, a lot of introspection and, and being honest with oneself, but it's really worth it. It may not be easy, but it's always worth it. And, and, and so that's where I, I feel now I'm making a great amount of impact. But, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention my kids. You know, the, the, every day there's an opportunity there to, to make an impact on the next generation. And I'm doing that, you know, through my kids, obviously trying to provide them with the best growth experience possible in these earlier years. And, and hopefully that will then lead on to the next generations. And, and I will make impact through them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And, and one of my questions, questions for you is, what, what's the biggest le- legacy that you hope uh, to leave for your kids? And mm-hmm. also, um, I know that you, you refer to yourself as dating your wife. So <laughs> I'm wondering if you could define that term for me and what it means for you. And what's the big, biggest example you want to set for your kids? Yeah, I think, you know, it was about 11 years ago, my wife asked me a question that really shifted me, you know, like, it, well, it actually it rocked my world, to be honest. Um, I used to, 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 so similar to when I was a teenager and really overweight and unhealthy, I used food and, and video games and movies like this. Uh, those were my coping mechanisms. So dealing with, with emotional stresses or anxiety or anything like that, that, those are things that would give me some momentary comfort. It would allow me to escape my life, basically. And so I learned early on that I could find things to distract me from those negative emotions, negative feelings. And then eventually I worked through them and I got healthy and I discovered fitness and, and nutrition and just really living differently. But a lot of my work was external. So I was always focused on the, you know, the look, the, the aesthetic, not really doing any internal work. So I was still very good at suppressing emotions and, and just sucking things up and, and just putting on the happy, confident face and pretending like nothing's bugging me. And I, I, 11 years ago, you know, I, I really, my life got quite rocky because I was using alcohol the way I used to use food. And it was my way of escaping some of the stress and anxiety in my life. Those negative emotions is my way of of avoiding them and and escaping them was with alcohol. And so it started to become a real habit for me. You know, it was my usual way of dealing with stress. And I had a lot of stress. So anytime there was more stress in my life, oh, well, I'll just have another glass of wine, you know, and and things will be okay. I can worry about that tomorrow when I wake up. But tonight, I'm going to have some drinks and not think about it. And that became just regular. And then my wife asked me a question one day after she had just reached her wits end and, and was no longer going to put up with my behavior because she knew our kids at the time, both under the age of six, this was not a healthy environment for them to be in. This is not the kind of environment to raise two very young girls and, and eventually raise them into women being around and having this behavior role model, especially because you know, as their father, I was their first real male role model in their lives, their first real male figure in their life. And, and, and it's, there's lots of uh, backup out there that, that girls are often attracted to, to men that remind them of their fathers. And, and so, you know, when you start thinking about that, it's like, whoa, 
the guy that I was being, would I want my daughter to end up with that kind of a guy? A kind of guy that doesn't return text messages. He'll go out with his friends and not come home until the next morning. You know, I, I was doing things that were so out of my character and, and completely out of integrity and, and made me feel even worse. And so you can see how this is that downward spiral. So my wife sat me down and she says, die. You know, you're not being the kind of man that I know you can be. And I know that you want to be. And more importantly, I want to ask you a question. Are you being the type of man that you would want your daughters to marry? That question just rocked me again. And like, I was just like, oh, well, no, I guess, no, I'm not. Because I couldn't argue her on it. I could not defend my, myself because I knew she was absolutely right. And so it was that moment where I made a commitment to go one year, no drinking, to, to really start focusing on me. But more than that, I, I was saying no to alcohol, but I was saying yes to myself. I was saying yes to my family. I was saying, yes, this matters to me more than any of that stuff. And that's when the real work began. And now, you know, you ask me about that legacy question. I really feel good that my daughters, especially now at age 15 and 17, soon to be 16 and 18, that I've raised a bar, you know, I've set the bar and, and it's not that it's low and it's not that it's super high and unattainable. I'm human. I've, I've got lots of faults too, but I've, I've set a bar of what it means to respect a woman what it means to, to be what I believe striving to be a great man and great in all areas, you know? And, and so that's the legacy I want to leave is, is for them to have that, that positive representation of what a great man can be and what they deserve, you know? And uh, so that, that's sort of what's always front of mind for me now. And one of those filters that I use to sort of pass some of my ideas or, or ideas around things that I may do or not do. It's like, well, is this a good model behavior? Is this, reflective of who I am and who I want to be and who I'm striving to become. And, and those are the simple questions that I'm always asking myself, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I always strive to be the best version of myself as well. So I, I love it. generally to that, but you uh, said something that, that, that piqued my, my interest with your daughters being uh, sort of getting ready to be thrusted into adulthood mm. and living in this 24-7 news cycle and yeah. growing up in this century, I guess. Yeah. What, what's the biggest thing that you're, you're hoping your daughters emulate in, to, in sort of uh, cutting through the noise and the, mm. the distractions that may be uh, temptations for them. Mm, that's a great question. Again, it, it's, you know, for as long as we've introduced them to, especially like the internet, you know, like search engines and the ability to just have endless amounts of information at their fingertips. And even as we've allowed them to start to explore different social platforms, we, we wanted to have very open conversation around what this is and to really respect what that is you know what is social media what are these platforms what how do does marketing work online how are they these algorithms influencing some of the things that you're typing in and some of the things that they show you you know so to really trying to help them be aware of what happens when we start to, to to go down that rabbit hole so to speak of this online space and also just a set of the safety side of things too you know there 
there's lots of concerns, especially for young girls and, and uh, young men and, and just anybody uh, that can be taken advantage of. If someone feels they can, they will. And it's awful to think that there's that in the world, but that's just the world we live in. It is there. And so we, we want to, we are always actively engaging them in conversations around that. And even when it comes to media, you know, talking about, well, you know, if the media only reported positive information and positive stuff, unfortunately, people probably wouldn't tune in as much. And that's, uh, sorry to say that, but it, it, it seems to be quite true a lot of the time. You know, it, there's a fair amount of negativity that's always projected through the media. And sometimes it is embellished a little bit, right? It, it, it's a little flashy and, and it draws us in. And, and so we want to have these conversations so they are able to at least look at things uh, with a discerning eye, you know, to, to not take things at face value. And to really think about it and internalize it and interpret it in their own way with their own abilities. And so that's sort of our, our constant, I guess we could call it a struggle because there's times they're teens, you know, like, like, yeah, whatever, mom, whatever, dad, you know, like they're very good to brush it off. But we've seen them in situations at times where they've been challenged or messages have come in and they're like, I don't know who this is. Or what's bad. And we've seen them do the right thing. You know, so we know that they're practicing certain behaviors and they are respecting the devices and the technology and, and this is the world, you know, and, and, and they're, they're navigating it in a much more aware and safer fashion. And, and so that's my thoughts to any parents out there. It's like, you can't hide them from it because they're going to get to it whether you like it or not, you know. Uh, so learning how to engage in a conversation that is constructive and positive and, and, and looks at both sides of the equation and, and able to help them come to their own conclusions. That, that's what we've strived for. And it's what I invite other parents to strive for too. And I know as a life coach, you sort of model yourself after the five F's. So I'm wondering if you can explain the five F's to me and uh, what do you think is your biggest legacy as a life coach or what's one message as a life coach that, you may want someone to take away from uh, today's uh, conversation. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, Kevin. Uh, you know, the five F's are my way of, of trying to help people understand values. You know, we all have certain values, things that like often when I ask somebody, you know, what, what do you really believe? Like, what do you value in your life? What are certain aspects? Like for me, one of my values is family. And, and you can almost call it like a pillar. You know, one of my pillars for my life, like the, the life that I build, like if I was building a house, I need a rock solid foundation. Well, for me, I believe the foundation's health. You know, because when you have health, you can do a lot of things, right? When we're not feeling healthy, like just think about it. If you got the flu and you got a bad fever, I mean, getting out of bed, no way. You don't even think about it. So can you imagine when you have chronic ailment, like I have an autoimmune disease. And so there's times where, yeah, I've just got to rest for a few days to, to allow my immune system to, to build back up so I can go and attack life again. And, and so I have a sensitivity and an empathy. I know what that's like to have chronic conditions affecting us, but there's still things that we can do to reinforce that foundation of health. And, and so that's the foundation. And then on top of that, imagine you've got a foundation. So envision your life like you're building the house. You're going to have four walls and a roof. <laughs> okay. It was a really basic house. And uh, so my four walls are some of those F's, fitness, faith, finances, and family. These are things that are very important to me. Some of my core values, you know, and then there's an overarching roof of fun. 
So that's where those five F's come in. It just helps people sort of get an idea of, of some of the belief systems that I have. I don't expect people to have the same ones, but they may model some of the same ones. But what what are people, I want people to think about their, their life like a home. They, they can design it. You know, you can just determine whenever you want to renovate it. But you build something on a solid foundation. Make sure the foundation is looked after. And that's an ongoing, everyday thing. You know, that's why I always emphasize the health piece. But the other aspects, there's just areas that I believe to be non-negotiables in my life. You know, and when I say finances, people are like, well, you mean you're driven by money? I'm like, no, but I want to be financially responsible. You know, I, I, I don't, I know we live in a, an economy, like a global economy where you do need some money to be able to do certain things, to have certain things like food. <laughs> like I don't live off the grid. I don't have a farm. I don't have all that experience. So I need to purchase the food and I need to, to pay for like the rent or the mortgage. And, and uh, th- those are aspects to, to being financially responsible. I want to be financially healthy. Right. And, and I, so that's where that health aspect comes back in. Uh, so being financially fit, being psychologically fit, emotionally fit. Uh, so that's sort of where some of my philosophies come in. And that's something that I published in my book. Uh, I, I speak to this quite often. So if you're asking me, you know, sort of what is some of those key messages I want to be known for or remembered for, uh, definitely this sort of analogy of helping people frame in their own minds or design what they imagine to be their life so they can really start to live into that purposefully, you know, like consciously making decisions that reinforce the walls, maybe change the roof, put on some solar panels, you know, like whatever you can start to envision this life and and you feel more in control or at least more engaged with it, especially in the right now. And, and, and I think that's really what I'd like people to take away. And, and I, I wanted to end the interview to, uh, by having a little fun, if you didn't mind. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to know, for you, what's the best part about b- being a Canadian and living in Vancouver? Well, I grew up in Ontario in a small town called Bowmanville. And uh, Bowmanville's just outside of a town called Oshawa. A lot of people know Oshawa because GM's got a big footprint there and they, they, General Motors makes a, a lot of vehicles there. And uh, that's where my dad lived. My mom uh, lived in Bowmanville after they, they separated and divorced. And uh, so I, I loved growing up there, but I, I then hit 18 and graduated high school, moved to Vancouver because I wanted the mountains, you know? I wanted the ocean. And for those that have been to Vancouver, you only have to come here once to understand the attraction and why people love Vancouver. You know, I love being Canadian above all else. I, I love our country. I love the fact that we have such a, a cosmopolitan country. You know what I mean? Like we have all different races. We have all different uh, aspects of, of cultures that have come together to, to create the Canadian landscape. And I, I absolutely love it. And I, I love the fact that we get four seasons, you know, like I do enjoy that. I don't always like winter, but uh, for the most part, I like having that seasonality. And, and so those are some of the things that I love the most. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, when you're, you're, you're Canadian, it, it's, there's not much to complain about. Fantastic. And if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, you know, just if you know how to spell my name, you can find me pretty much everywhere. So Di Manuel, D-A-I. 
M-A-N-U-E-L, first name Dai, Welsh name for David, Manuel's Portuguese. And, and so I always joke with people, yeah, I've got a Welsh first name, Portuguese last name, but I am Canadian. And uh, uh, if you can type that into any social platform or even into Google, you'll, you'll find my website, which is diamondwell.com. Uh, and I always tell people, like, just reach out. I, I'm most active on Instagram and Facebook. You send me a private message. I respond. It's me you get. Just say, hey, I heard John Kevin's podcast. It was great. And uh, this is what my house looks like. I'd love to know what are some of your core values. Just let me know. Like, that's how we start a conversation. That's how we connect. And that's how we all grow together, you know? So uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Just just learn how to spell my name. <laughs> uh, that, that's, uh, as a journalist, I learned... How to spell a lot of names for sure, I and I, I I practiced yours a couple of times just <laughs> to make sure that I got it right. Right, but all kidding aside, I really enjoyed our conversation, and I want to thank you for a revealing and consequential conversation, and for joining me this afternoon. It's most appreciated. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate the opportunity, and thanks for for creating a platform that's just it's able to catalog such amazing stories and inspiring people and just oh man just for for you know creating the opportunity for people to 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 expand their their own belief systems and i just want to commend you for what you do so uh thank you so much for the opportunity you're most welcome and thank you for the kind words and for uh making some time for me this afternoon and i I want to wish you the best of luck on any uh, current and future endeavors, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. If you're ever out in Vancouver, let me know, because I'm. Uh, we we got to go out. We'll grab some coffee, go for a walk on the seawall. It'd be awesome. Uh, just make sure it's not raining. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put in a call for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Have a great day, and thanks for your time, buddy. Thanks, Kevin. I'll see you again soon. Fantastic. Yeah, we're done. That was terrific.